64 of the G-Man Journal podcast. I'm your host, Ben Joined uh, once again by Dylan Waxman. What's up, guys? Um, I'm happy to be here again. Um, Part of this 20-episode series of NFL and NBA redrafts. Yep. Uh, So today we are going to be doing the 2012 um, NFL redraft. This is uh, a pretty solid draft overall. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's looked at as not as good, maybe, because it followed up. Um, it was a follow-up from the 2011 draft, which is really uh, stacked. But I think, if, I, if I'm being completely honest, I think in many components of this draft, it is better than the 2011. Yeah, I think, um, I think overall, personally, I, I think the 2011 is better, but I think as far as things you look at, like quarterback classes and and things like that, um, I think that the 2012 is very good as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, after yeah. the sponsor, would you like to get into the pod? Yeah, so um, today's episode is brought to you once more by Chris J. Beccarelli. If you're a small business and you're willing to turn it out to help with your tax needs, call Chris J. Beccarelli if you get Chris J. Beccarelli. We don't forget about the little guy. Big thanks to him for sponsoring this episode, and uh, we can get into it here. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so we'll start with the first pick, where the um, suck for lock team is on the board. Um, now, in this um, point in time, they did not exactly suck for luck because, or this time, they did not suck for luck. They sucked for Russell. Um, Russell Wilson is my first pick in this draft. I assume he is yours too. Yep, he he is me for me. Uh, he is the pick for me here as well. Obviously, Luck went one overall, and uh, up until definitely last off season, and maybe a few years before that, when when Russ really took off, um, I think Luck would still be the pick. But I think um, with with Luck's early retirement and with Russell Wilson really um, ha- having great years um, coming down the stretch. Here, I think Ross is, is definitely the pick here. Yeah, and I think Ross is a um, top five player in the league, I think. Although that's bold, I, I think he's a consistent top three, top five quarterback. And quarterback is definitely the most um, the, the most important position, I think, when we look at ranking players. I think Russell ends up being a good fit here. Now, if we go back uh, two-ish years, maybe even three, I think Luck could still be the pick because they've shown probably just as much talent. But but even then, Luck was getting hurt a bit too much to um, have him over Russell. So I would have probably went with Russell at any point in time. Yeah, um, we can move on here to number two where the Redskins are on the redraft clock. RG3 was the pick here in real life, and... Um, I have them going with a different quarterback here, a guy that we talked about with the last pick, and that would be Andrew Luck. Uh, yeah, um, I do as well, but I think there was a potential thought here um, with this Redskins uh, team, and I, I looked at a guy who was their quarterback for a good amount of time, I think four years. Um, the the guy is Kirk Cousins. Now, now Kirk, I, I suggested this to you and said maybe I'm going to have Kirk over 
locked because of Locke's lack of consistency, particularly with the injuries. But um, now that I think about it, I feel like Kirk also didn't become a full-time starting quarterback until 2015, where Locke, so that's basically three near completely lost years, where Locke probably lost even less than that with injury. So I think that's a big reason I had Locke over Kirk Cousins. Yeah. We can move on here to three, where the Browns are on the redraft clock. Trent Richardson, um, running back um, out of Alabama, was the pick here. And um, for me, it's the linebacker um, as they go with Luke Keekley here. Yeah. Um, Trent Richardson really showed a lot of promise in his rookie year, and he's probably still going here um, if we're redrafting. But if we're redrafting after the first season of these players' careers, um, but then things kind of blew up. Now he got traded to the Colts for what a first-round pick just before his second season. Uh, then we saw a decline. Then his family started taking money from him, and, and it was not well ever again. He tried it out in the, um, in the AAF before that crumbled, um, and he was pretty good. Does that show that he has some promise? Maybe, but I don't think he's ever really going to get back into the NFL. Um, so, yeah. All right, yeah, um, we can move on. My, no, for, well, we didn't even say the actual. I didn't say my actual. Yeah, sorry. Pick. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the Browns select Keekly. Uh, I was hesitant about Keekly just because he ended his career so quickly. But if we're judging it off of right now, I, I couldn't. 100% assume that um, Luck was going to, or that uh, Keekley is going to still be better than the rest of the guys below him. Um, I was considering a guy like Bobby Wagner just because they're probably for a while have played on the same level, but Keekley was all, overall had a better um, eight year career. I mean, Wagner, though, does still have years. Um, that he can succeed. So I think that's a close battle, but I decided to go with Luke Keekley. Yeah, um, and now we can move on here to four, where the Vikings are on the clock, and this is where our redrafts take a turn. I have the Vikings going with Fletcher Cox here. Fletcher Cox, yeah, that makes sense. I have him going later, and I don't know if that's because I was trying really hard to um, go off need for this draft, because once you see my pick, you may be um, agreeing with my um claim, but I think uh, Cox has been in terms of consistency, maybe a top one or two guy in this draft. Uh, he's never really been bad, but he, at peak, is not better than a guy like Russell or Luck. Sure. Plus, he's not um, he's not a quarterback, obviously. Um, but anyway, with my pick, I have the Vikings selecting Mitchell Schwartz. Now, Mitchell Schwartz was very good for, um, I think, four years on the Cleveland Browns, and he's been good on the Chiefs ever since. He was a very good um, offensive tackle this year, and he, he's never made a Pro Bowl, which I think turns some people's heads past him. Um, I bet if you look at a lot of people redrafting, they'll just go right by him just because he's not um, a Pro Bowl-level player. I think um, if we, in terms of offensive tackles, I am – pretty sure that there's only one Pro Bowl offensive tackle um, in this draft class, and it's Matt Khalil, who actually went here. But Matt Khalil, after those first 
probably four years, three years, never really fulfilled the promise that he showed earlier in his career. So that's why I didn't have him going number four. Uh, but let's move on to number five, where I have the Jags going with another receiver. Um, all right, I have the Jags here going with a cornerback and Stephon Gilmore. Yes. Now, another guy who really came on strong as of lately, like right. he was never bad, but I think he really took it up a notch these sure. past few years, but particularly this season, where he won the NFL's Defensive Player of the Year award. Right. Um, and I think that's particularly impressive when you're playing on the best team in the league. Yeah. It, or the best defensive team in the league. Right. Three-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, and as you mentioned, the Defensive Player of the Year last year for – for Gilmore, uh, a guy that, that, like you said, you know, his career has really taken off with New England. Um, he was always solid in Buffalo, but never never quite what he's been with, with the Patriots. Yeah, I agree. Um, but as we come back to who I have Jaguar selecting, I think they go receiver now. Like Trent Richardson, um, the Jaguars selected a player in Justin Blackman who showed tons of promise early, but but basically based on his um, personal issues, um, he kind of ruined his own career. Uh, Justin Blackman was pretty good in college, but he never really got to show his promise because of um, alcohol problems and things such as that. Uh, anyway, I have the Jaguars still going receiver, and they um, take the only really standout receiver and a weak receiver class, I think the Jaguars select T.Y. Hill. Yeah, it, it, and T.Y. is a guy that I have going um, nine. A guy out of FIU, I think uh, I think I probably could have had him him higher in my redraft. Um, and he's a guy, I obviously was with Luck um, in, in, in Indianapolis um, and still is. Um, for for a long time, he's had he's had a very good career. Um, I think I think five is probably right around where he. Um, I, I don't think five is is ridiculously high. Um, obviously, I have him going um, later. He's he's a guy that's you know been rock solid, a four time Pro Bowler, um, and has had has had some great years with with Locke, but. I, I decided against him going. As you said, really the standout guy in, in a very weak receiver class. Um, I think T. Y. Hilton's main problem is that he's played his all of his prime. However long you want to call his prime, he's played his whole prime in a um, league full of receivers. I think this generation is where receivers really um started to take off as like the prime skill position because I think. Now that the the NFL is more of a pass based right. um, offense rather than a run based like we saw in the um the the start of the Super Bowl era and then for a while after that, so I think Ty Hilton's kind of been overshadowed by the fact that he's played um against the or along with the likes of um Antonio Brown and Julio and Odell and D Hop and Michael Thomas now and a bunch of guys of that category. So I think that's kind of overshadowed T.Y.'s success. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, we will move on to the number six pick where the Cowboys, for the one time, are actually have a high pick. Yeah. Yeah. So, with this pick, I have a guy you had going number five. I think 
this ends up working out well for the Cowboys. And, and that marks that I have five of the first six teams selecting in this draft, picking the same position that they actually selected. Now, the Cowboys um, selected Mars Claiborne, who, like um, a lot of secondary players at LSU, were pretty, pretty scary in college. But then it didn't exactly translate to NFL success. I He wasn't ever bad, and I feel like if you're – um, looking at other picks in this draft, such as RG3 and Trent Richardson and Justin Blackman, then maybe that pick is a W in some sense. But I think they get a way better corner here, obviously, in Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, I have Bobby Wagner going here. Um, I, obviously, Gilmore I had going five. I think, you know, you really stuck to the strategy of, of Team Nade. Um, I, I didn't so much um, with this one, and I think that's the main reason that we have a bit of variety at the top, Ross. I didn't, to be honest. I That wasn't the goal, but I think if you see prime opportunities to pick the same need, like if the best quarterback on the board was, um, was let's say, Ryan Tannehill, who's in this draft class at number one, just because you took a quarterback in the first, in, in the real draft, that's not mean I am taking him again. But I think if there's players who are on the level of their draft, where I have them, then I think it works out well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would make sense. So, so that's my big reason. Right. Um, so now we will move on to the seventh pick in the draft where the Buccaneers select – I have the Buccaneers selecting Harrison Smith. Um, yeah, Smith is, has had a solid career, um, to say the least. Um, I think – I didn't have him going – um, until a, a little bit later in my mock, which you guys will see um, a little bit later. But, again, a rock-solid career for him. A five-time pro bowler, one-time all-pro. Um, I think you could easily make the argument that he is higher. I just personally felt that there might have been some better options on, on the board other than Smith, and that's why I had him going a little bit later. Uh, yeah, just to um, point it out, uh, I had um... – just just a warning if you guys seem to have a problem with these, um, me taking the same position as they actually selected. For the next four picks, I have the same trend going on. Just a warning. Um, so now we will move on to the eighth pick. Where I think the Dolphins make a um, – oh, you didn't say who you have. Yeah. Who do you have going? Here, here at seven for the box, I have Kirk Cousins going. Um, I think I, I think it might be a tad bit high um, in terms of – career success and things like that, um, especially considering that he wasn't, um, you know, the full-time starter until, as Dylan mentioned earlier, until 2015. Um, it, I think I think he's really lacked um, consistency and, and success, but I think we've learned – we know that quarterback is, is the most important position in football and arguably the most important position in all of sports. Um so I think that um, that that's why I have him going maybe a little bit higher than than he should. All right, guys, um, we are back. Um, you this is um, this might sound weird to you guys, but we got disconnected, uh, me and Dylan, um, as I was talking about Kirk Cousins. Um, we're not sure exactly what happened, um, but we're just going to pick it back um, up where we left off here, um, and that would be – we're moving on to number eight here. Okay. Um, 
So with my eighth pick, I have the Dolphins selecting the same guy you just had going in Kirk Cousins in what may seem as a bit of a power move. But but that being said, the Dolphins quarterback situation was anything but ideal at the time. And then um, and they went with Tannehill in the real draft. I think Cousins has at least a slight edge over Tannehill. So I think Cousins makes sense to go here. Yeah, I have uh, Mitchell Schwartz going here. Um a guy you had going at four, um, I think eight seems about right to me um, here. Yeah, um, just to go through um, what the the actual order was so far, um, Andrew Luck went one to the Colts. Um, it, this is in the real draft. Um, R3 went to the Redskins at two. Trent Richardson went to the Browns at three. Matt Kale went um, at, at four. Um, Justin Blackman went five to the Jags. Morris Claiborne went six to the Cowboys. Mark Barron went um, seven to the Bucks. Tannehill uh, went eight to Miami. Um, and then Luke Keekley went nine to Carolina as we move on to nine. Here, who do you have the Panthers taking? Um. So as it definitely makes sense to find a good so-called replacement, even though Keekly doesn't really exist on the Panthers, obviously in this made-up universe, I think the Panthers get a good linebacker instead of Keekly, who I think if you made the argument that at this day and age, I know Keekly retired, but this past season that Bobby Wagner, who I have him selected, selecting was better than Keekly, I think. This is a good move. Maybe not long-term. Bobby is better than Keekley, but I think at peak, they could be at a similar level. I, I think if you're the Panthers, even though you're losing Keekley, which is obviously a big L, um, this is still a pretty good replacement. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have the Panthers going with T.Y. Hilton here um, out of FIU. Um, I think... Um, for you, that's definitely a great scenario where the um, Panthers theoretically replace um, Keekly with Wagner, um, but Wagner obviously is off the board for me. So I have T.Y. going here. Uh, we can move Yeah, right I, I was going to say, um, I think this actually works out really well for the Panthers and T.Y. because I think um, Steve Smith Sr. kind of turn towards um ty is basically what like reggie wayne was towards ty like he kind of helped him develop was like a mentor in some sense so i think that actually works pretty well yeah i would agree um we can move right along here to 10 to the bills where in real life um the bills took stefan gilmore with this pick a guy we talked about earlier um we had him going five and six if i'm not mistaken here at 10 i have the bills taking chandler Um, jones that makes sense. I think I have Chandler Jones going slightly later. Not, yeah, no, I do have him going slightly later. I think that makes um, a lot of sense. But I, I think, once again, if you can find decent replacements, at least um, towards Gilmore, then maybe you do. I, I think there's an argument to be made whether um, this guy who I have them selecting a cornerback is a decent um, replacement. I think the Bills select um mm-hmm. josh norman now uh, this might be the most unpopular opinion of all time but i think josh norman's 2015 season which was his best season with the panthers was better than stefan gilmore's season um last year last year um i think that's arguable i think norman has obviously been 
uh, decent. Obviously, like you said, had had the big peak and then has really dropped off, had the whole drama with Odell and basically every other wide receiver he faced. Um, I think I think you can certainly make that case. Um, like you said, that that Norman's peak year was better than Gilmore's past year. But I think um, I think either way. Um, th- that's a solid pick there for the Bills. Um, I don't have him going um, until um, 13 to the Cardinals, um, but I think if, if you're looking for in terms of a, a replacement for Gilmore, then I think... Right, Norman and I, I think Ner- Norman was um, maybe not completely, but I think uh, getting potentially completely overpaid by the Redskins um, really in some sense, ruin this man's career. Like, I, I think that's really when we saw not instant drop-off, but that's where we saw at least some decline. And, and by now, he's kind of fully dropped off. He is on the Bills currently. Right. And I think um, he will never be as good as he could potentially get with the Bills in this redraft scenario. But maybe the, the Panthers' um, defense was just a good fit for him. I mean, that was, that was a... Um, a very good defense with two stars from this class in Norman and Keekley. So maybe he was only good because of the Panthers' defensive system or something like that. But now we'll move on to the 11th pick where I have the Chiefs selecting a guy you had going significantly earlier in Fletcher Cox. Um, yeah, it, Don Terry Poe went with this pick. So a D lineman to a D lineman. Um, for you, um, I have with Harrison Smith here. Um, obviously, I had Cox going earlier. Um, I think from a talent perspective and the way his career has played out, I think four isn't too high. But I think in terms of straight out the the value of of a defensive tackle in Cox, four might be a tad bit high. He obviously went twelve to the Eagles, um, but I think. I think if if you're going in terms of in terms of need and value, I think eleven is probably just about right for yeah. For Cox. I think um, the Harrison Smith uh, pick is very interesting because Harrison Smith is more of a strong safety. Now in the 2010 draft, uh, you drafted your free safety of the future, or what I guess kind of ended up being the free safety for at least parts of the future in Eric Berry. So I think that when healthy is a scary safety duo, uh, which I think that would be fun. And I think this, um, this next draft is really what um, led kind of uh, the chiefs becoming a pretty good team in the AFC West. Um, This next season, they were obviously, horrific this coming up season going two and 14 they drafted eric fisher in the first round whether that did anything or not i think um that's where we saw uh some 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 improvement so now they won't be hanging around at the first pick for now on uh but now we will move on to the 12th pick where the eagle selecting another very consistent near star probably star you would call him player dante hightower um, yeah, Hightower, I have going later in my draft, I think, and the reason for that being, I think, 
I think the reason he's had a, a lot of success in New England is because of that system. And I had trouble sitting there and fitting him into a team where I don't think he would necessarily do as well. Now, I think at one point or another, the talent and his career was just so good that I couldn't pass up on him. Uh, and I couldn't let him fall too far. But I think I think 12, um, it may, makes somewhat sense. Um, I, I only have him going five fit later. Um, but I think the, the reason I had him going later was, was because – He's he. I don't know that he fits well in in another system other than New England. But anyway, for my pick, I have the Eagles replacing Cox with a defensive, um, another defensive lineman. This time, an edge as opposed to a tackle in Melvin. Okay, that makes sense. I have him going slightly later. Um, I think that ends up working out well for, um, for them. I I don't. I I don't think it he, I I don't think it's a reach, but I think maybe he's not the most worthy top twelve pick, and I don't know if that says something about the way you did this draft or that this draft class isn't as good as I hyped it up to be. Now nothing against Melvin Ingram, he's been a consistently very solid player in this league, but I don't know if he is necessarily top twelve talent. I'm not saying that Dante High Dante Hightower is either, but I was just going to um point that out. Ah. Uh, we will move on to the 13th pick where I have the Cardinals going. Maybe it will be seen as a surprising move. I think it's probably a reach, but maybe you disagree. I think um, the Cardinals select Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, I think that that's, that that's probably um, a reach. I don't have him going till 21. Um, I have the Cardinals here selecting um, Josh Norman, uh, a guy you had going um, earlier. The real pick here was um, was Michael Floyd, a wide receiver. So I guess if we're going wide receiver, wide receiver, then Alshon makes sense as he is the best receiver on the board. But I would like to hear your analysis on that. Yeah, so I'm not going to lie. That's not why. I kind of for- forgot that Michael Floyd existed. Um, he kind of fell off the face of the planet quickly. Um that really is not my reasoning. I think Alshon won. Um, maybe you thought, I think, one, the Cardinals' offense was not really a powerhouse at that point in time. I mean, they were past the Kurt Warner era where they made the Super Bowl, um, and they were kind of just hanging around as a pretty terrible team. I I think the Cardinals, I guess, strategy here was that um, Larry Fitzgerald was going to be slowing down soon, and, and he didn't exactly slow down because you kind of got at least another – five good years out of him and maybe eight solid years out of him so maybe looking back on it you don't make that pick again in terms of need but I I think this helps a good what turns into a good receiving core and I I don't think it's the biggest reach uh I I think it's a it's a slight reach though yeah we can move on here to 14 to the Rams where I've been selecting David DeCastro Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I went the same way, just with a different player. I went with an offensive guard as well. I had them taking Eagles, um, kind of a rock in that offensive line. That's been pretty good in the past decade. I have the Eagles selecting, or the Rams selecting Eagles starting uh, guard. Yeah, I have Brooks going 16, so not too much difference there. Um at 14 to um to the 
Rams. The real pick was Brockers, uh, Michael Brockers, that is. Um, personally, I, I didn't have him. I don't think I have him going at all in the first round. I don't know about you. I don't yeah. as well. Um, another guy who really is not terrible, and I, I think when you look at, like I said, with um, – I think Mars Claiborne, and there are other players that kind of provide the same thing. He's not the – he doesn't have the amount of talent that other guys um, that, that could have went here do, but he is not terrible, like a complete bust, like a guy like Trent Richardson or Justin Blackman um, or, or many guys in other draft classes. So in some sense, it's um, not a terrible pick. Yeah. Uh, we will move right along here to 15 to the Seahawks, where I have them. Uh, the the real pick here. Seahawks. Uh, I don't have him. Uh, welcome back. We once again had more technical difficulties, so I do really apologize for that. And we decided to wait uh, until today, to, um, Mon- or Tuesday, um, this, this, this come out Monday. But as we were having lots of technical difficulties, as you guys can probably see throughout this episode, um, we decided to um, just move it on to today. Um, but anyway, we will get back into it to where we were. We had just finished up giving our 15th pick. Now we will move on to 16 um, to the Jets. Yeah, and before we completely start, I'd just like to say I hope um, Anchor was just down and that this is not like one of our Wi-Fi connections and this isn't like a problem for the future. Hopefully that was just a one-time thing. Yeah. Um, again, please excuse if there's more technical difficulties or the sound isn't 100%. Um, throughout this, the remainder of this episode, or even the ep- the parts that um, were recorded previously. Um, but yeah, sixteen here to the Jets. Yeah, and also, but one more thing: make sure to check out my podcast uh, that we are going to be recording right after. It's just the twenty twelve NBA redraft, the same concept of these last um, four and a half, I guess we've done. So yeah. The 16th pick, I think the Jets go, a guy you had going, I think in the top 10, maybe even higher up. Um, I think the Jets select Melvin Ingram. Um, yeah, I had Ingram going 12 here. Um, at 16, I have the Jets going with Brandon Brooks. Yeah, I, I like it. Um, I have him. I had him going uh, 14 to the Rams. I think that log- that's logical. I, I think um, the Jets needed, once again, probably – to build on their offensive game, considering that was like the first year after. So Mark Sanchez took them to the back-to-back conference championships in 2009 and 2010. Last year was a bit of a down year. And then this year, I guess they're hoping to build on that offense. But but I think it makes sense to go defense also if a guy like Ingram is still on the board. Yeah. All right, we will move right along here to 17 to the Bengals, where I have um, – them taking a guy you had going um, earlier. Um, I believe I said it um, when we were talking about it in, Dita- in Dante Hightower. Yeah, uh, I did have him going not significantly earlier, but but earlier, t- uh, 12 
to the Eagles. I think that is an ideal pick. I think long-term this ends up working out well, considering long-term he's had a very solid career. Now, now you could question if that's only or solely or helped by the Patriots' defensive scheme um, or the fact that those Patriots' defense at many times were not very good and he was kind of a key piece of them. Um, I think that is a fair argument to make, but I, I think he is also um, a good player. Yeah. Um, w- with mine, I have the Bengals selecting Casey Hayward. Now you had him going 15th, I think. Um, and, and Casey Hayward uh, has been a lot pretty consistent, I think, over his career. Uh, he's still coming on strong. Um, now he will presumably play for the Chargers this coming up season. Um, and, and a quarterback duo that is uh, is Chris Harris Jr. and Hayward, I think that's cool. Um, he is a two-time second-team All-Pro in 16 and 17, so, so maybe you think, and those were his only Pro Bowl years also, maybe you think he's not as good as maybe we're advertising him to be because he didn't come on until like five years into his career where other guys have came on at the start. So I think that is arguable there. We'll move on to the 18th pick where we have the Chargers selecting Don Terry Pack. Um, yeah, I, I have him going significantly later. Um, Brian Tannehill is the pick here. Um, Melvin Ingram went with this pick in real life. Um, I think, um, yeah, personally, I didn't have, I don't have Poe going till a, a little later. Um, Ryan Tannehill, um, I believe, is already off the board for you. Or, no, no I, sorry, he's, he's he not. Goes my bad. Later. Um, um, yeah, we can I, move I, on to 19. Wait, so I, I think Poe is a defensive force, or at least was in points points of his career he also got some fullback touches I remember one season with the Chiefs um I I think he was a solid player for a while maybe not as good um the the only reason I don't think Tannehill or any quarterback because Tannehill isn't even I don't even have Tannehill going in the first round I have a different quarterback being selected though I I think um the problem with Tannehill one is are you already giving up on Philip Rivers now maybe like I've said um and, and like maybe maybe you thought that Philip Rivers was going to start aging um way before than he actually did because we didn't so sh- see massive decline until last or until last season um so I think that's an interesting scenario but I, I think it's possible that if they draft Tannehill here could even win a quarterback um a quarterback battle with Rivers, so that would be an interesting sure. scenario. And we'll move on to the 19th pick, where I have the Bears making what may be seen as the boldest move of all time. Okay. Um, and although that's fake and that's exaggeration, I, I think I have the Bears selecting Justin Tucker. Now, questionable. Now, now, as funny as this is, I think maybe the two best kickers in the league uh, both went in this draft, sure. and I do have them both going in this first round. And the main reason I had a kicker going number 19 is uh, even it, even though you wouldn't have known it in 2012, just the fact of how scary the Bears' kicking situation has been for sure. the past few years just made me pick them um, a kicker. Yeah, I think... In terms of how their career is played out, I, I don't think Tucker is, is really that 
um, is really that ridiculous. I, I also have um, two kickers going in the first round. Um, I don't have them going till, till later. And, and the pure reason being you don't typically take a kicker in in the first round, as still alluded to. And, and the value probably isn't quite there, um, even if Tucker is arguably one of the better kickers we've ever seen. I think regardless, that the value might not 100% be there. But I think in terms of how his career has, has turned out as, as far as Pro Bowls and all pros and things like that, I don't think it's too far of a reach. Yeah, I think – if you know, because kickers are a pretty important position in the NFL. Um, whether you think that means you need to get a good kicker, that's that's debatable. But I think if you see a kicker, and, and plus, because we're basically becoming the GMs of all of these teams, and we know that in the future the Bears are going to basically um, – basically destroy their team with a horrible kicking situation as in Cody Parkey and the kid this year that they had was not very good either. Um, yeah. So Well, let, let me give my 19th pick here. I, I have them going with the team picks here. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, obviously, he is a solid player. Um, he didn't exactly – you could argue that he didn't come on as right. early as maybe you wanted him to, but but I think he's a solid player. Yeah. All right, we will move right along here to 20 to the Titans, where I have them going with Janoris Jenkins, a former Giant. Okay. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I think that is logical. Um, I have him going, sl- not slightly later, but later in this first round. Um, so I, I think he is a solid player. I think he had... A slightly interesting fallout with the Giants. Um, but I think, especially in the beginning of his um, four-year Giants tenure, and um, he, he showed some real talent, and he was good with the Rams as well. I think um, he is a solid pick here at 20. Yeah. Um, who's your pick here at 20? So, my pick here, I think I was going to go with offensive lineman here. I wasn't sold on it. Um uh, Maybe for as a joke, I was going to go with Ryan Tannehill, um, just because he kind of led them to their only relevance, um, kind of in a while. So I think the Titans still are going to go with the guy who you had going a few picks earlier in David DeCastro. Okay, um, I like that. I had him going fourteen, so I think that that's probably a steal. Um, for the Titans, we can move on here to twenty-one to the Pats, where I've been taking Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, um, that is logical. I obviously somewhat reached on him earlier. Uh, yeah, I had him going uh, 13, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, 13. Uh, I think Jeffrey ends up working out pretty solid with the Patriots. I think he is a good player, and I think, like um, I feel like we've pointed out before, I think we both had Doug Baldwin going to the Patriots. Um in the 2011 NFL redraft, I think this would be a perfect opportunity to um, set uh, set Brady up with some better receivers for uh, this this decade. Yeah, or for the rest of the decade, because um, I mean Edelman was probably the clear cut non Gronk or like non Gronk receiver, and um, after that it was a lot of inconsistency. So. Uh, 
I will move on to my 21st pick, where I think the Patriots get what maybe seems a steal at his peak, but he kind of fell off as of lately in Levante David. Um, yeah, I, I have him going um, a few picks later, um, which we, we will get to in a moment. Um, but uh, we can move on here to 22, um, where I had the Browns taking Damon Snacks Harrison. Nice. Um, Snacks was, once again, pretty good with the Giants. Um, you could argue that he was the best player on that. Um, it, and the, the, like the second half of the Giants defense, um, like from 15 to 19, I think you could argue that he was the best defensive player um, for them. He was pretty good. He was good before. He is still decent now, I think. He, uh, you could see him as a good pick here, or I see him as a good pick here. Uh, I do not have him going in the first round. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure whether that was intentionally or not, but it, maybe it was. I don't really remember. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I think this is a good pick, though. Yeah. Uh, with my 22nd pick, Ivy Browns. Uh, Going out on what may be seen as the biggest reach of the draft, I have the Browns selecting Nick Foles. Um, um, yeah, if, my. All right, go ahead. Okay, my thing with Foles. Foles is, um, obviously the uh one of two quarterbacks that in this draft that have led their teams to Super Bowls. Now, I don't give Foles full credit because you take Foles in that, for that whole season, they most likely don't make the playoffs. And that being said, though, you did see the early success um, with the with um, with Foles on the Eagles. And then he went Rams, Chiefs, did nothing, returned to the Eagles, obviously led them to a Super Bowl. Uh, now he continues to do nothing with the Jaguars, considering he got benched for Gardner Minshew. And then maybe even Mitchell Trubisky will play over him in Chicago. I don't think he's a terrible player, and I think the main reason I went with him over Tannehill was, one, because I think not necessarily, but I feel like Foles and Tannehill's career are basically going to be built off on one season. Tannehill's, at least as that we know of, as is this past season and then Foles the 2017 or maybe even the 2013 season. Um, I think at least by picking Foles, you're um, saving yourself from picking a 28-year-old quarterback in Brandon Whedon. Uh, I think that really shows that you're desperate for a quarterback if you're drafting a 28-year-old in the first round. Right. Uh, so we will move on to the 23rd pick, where I view Lions uh, going in a interesting direction, selecting Lamar Miller. Um. Okay. Um. Yeah. I, I didn't. Ha- I don't believe I have him going in the first round. Um. I have Levante David going with this pick, a guy you had going um a few picks earlier, if I'm not mistaken. Um. I think. I believe, as you mentioned, um, when you were talking about the picks, this is probably a steal at peak. But in terms of the, how his career has has really played out, I don't think it, it's really that big of a steal. Um, but I think at peak, he was a solid player, but really kind of fell off like some of these guys that we've talked about throughout these redrafts. But anyway, we will move on here to 24. Okay, um, so with the 24th pick, I have the Steelers selecting 
um, a guy who could argue in, in what is seen as probably a better um, or the best offensive guard um, or guard class that we have seen of these three that we've done with Brooks and Castro and now Kalichi Osmele. Now, um, another player who I think you could potentially make the argument that he's better than Brooks and um, and DeCastro. Maybe you don't agree with that. I, I think it's arguable, which makes it a pretty yeah, good Yeah, I, I actually don't have him going in the first round. Um, I was between him and the guy I have going here um, in Kevin Zeitler. Um, I ended up with going, uh, w- with going um, him because I didn't find a, a fit for me. Um, with any other um, of the picks. So I, I only had room for one more lineman and I decided to go with Zeitler. Right. Um, so with the 25th pick I have, um, I also still have Zeitler going in this first round. Uh, so that's four. This is a relatively stacked um, lineman yeah. class. I think if you ask me, not as heavy on um, offensive tackles as usual as I only have, uh, one, I'm pretty sure, going in the first round, but a lot of good guards as well. Um, the 25th pick, I think the Patriots select Olivier Vernon. Um, yeah, okay, I have Vernon going 27 to the Bengals here at 25. I have a guy going that isn't going to fit well with Belichick, to say the least, and Vontez Perfect. Uh, yeah, I think he does anything wrong, and he's out the door the next day. Uh, I think... You you see this guy and you see what his talent at least looked like, but then he kind of fell off a cliff. Uh, and he's not. I mean, and and I don't think he fell off a cliff really, but I think it really started with that twenty sixteen playoff game where he kind of uh, destroyed Antonio Brown, got suspended, was never really the same since. Yeah. Uh, I think perfect though at. In terms of talent, was a solid player. Uh, I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure if he really ever showed character issues coming out of, um, coming out of college. So I don't. I think if he did, then there's no way the Patriots would ever consider sure. selecting him. But if not, then maybe it's the pick right now. Um, with my 25th pick, I'd be Patriots selecting Olivier Vernon, as I said. Um, and I, I think a big uh, reason I. Although I did point out that Damon Harrison might be the best player on the Giants defense over 2015 through 2020, I still have two other guys who were on who were key pieces in that defense um, going without Harrison going. So that is kind of interesting. Vernon, I think, ends up working out well with the Pats. He was never terrible in his career, but I don't think there was ever a point where he was great. He made the Pro Bowl last year or two years ago. Um, he was a second-team All-Pro the first Giants year where they went 11-5 and five and lost in the first round of the playoffs. Um, but we can move on to the 26th pick where I think I have the Tex- or I have the Texans selecting Malik Jackson. Um, okay, I have the Texans here going with Nick Foles. Um, I think he's a guy who obviously is going to be remembered for the 2017 run um, to the Super Bowl. Um, but I think overall, um, he, he's been 
up and down to say the least. Uh, very inconsistent as a starter, obviously has been solid as a backup. But I think you you look at his whole career and he, he really hasn't been great as a full time starter. And uh, I mean, other than the 2013 year, every other year that he's been a starter, he really hasn't been great. Uh, but every year he's been a backup, he's been solid um, and really good to to say the least. Uh, yeah, I think um, this comparison kinda is similar to um, you uh, the the Justin Tucker pick. Now I'm not comparing a quarterback to a kicker, but in the sense that if we're the GMs and we know how bad this kicker situation is going to work out, then are we really taking this guy? Um, I think. Or are we, we're going to take this guy. Now, the Texans, although it got better by 2017 when um, when uh, Sean Watson came around, I'm just going to read off a list of Texan quarterbacks uh, from 2012 to uh, 2017. Uh, let me just pull it up. Uh, give me a sec. Okay. Um. Okay. They're they're terrible. So we start off in 2011, uh, or this past season. Matt Schaub was, um, yeah, atrocious. But he comes out the next season, uh, leads the Texans to a 12 and four record, makes the Pro Bowl, and it's not looking that bad. And then 2013, it's split between Matt Schaub and Case Keenum. Uh, then Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Mallett, Case Keenum, Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett, TJ Yates, Brandon Whedon, Brock Eisweiler, and Tom Savage. Yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not what you're Ugh. looking for um, from a quarterback perspective. I think, you know, you, you look at guys who maybe had a solid year and have had atrocious careers otherwise um, – yeah, that that's really not not what you want as far as um, quarterback consistency. Like you said, that's that, that's really one of the the worst you know five ten year stretches um, of poor quarterback play from from the Texans. Now, although um, that that's bad, I think it it was never. No, it's terrible. It's so bad. I don't know. It, the fact that I'm sitting here and saying that Deshaun Watson threw three years and, and not even three, more like two because he got injured in the first one is the best quarterback in Texans history is proves how bad right. the Texans quarterback has, yeah. quarterbacks have been. Um, and, and, and that's really not even so, that bold of a statement. No, it's not bold, but it's – ridiculous that we're saying that after yeah, two full sure. years um yeah okay we'll move on to the 27th pick where i had the bengal selecting um one of if not no no not one of but one yeah not if not but one of the key pieces in the odell beckham trade a year ago in kevin um, yeah obviously i had him going 24 um now i have a guy you had going earlier in olivia Burn. Yep. Um, so I think Olivier, once again, the Bengals defense, he's a key or could end up being a key piece in the Bengal defense when where the Bengals were seeing success from like 2012 to 2015. And, and those Bengals defenses were pretty good with um, like Reggie Nelson and Burfecht before they became bad guys and, and other guys like that. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's a solid pick. He's obviously off the board, and I think this is a pretty good time to um, add to your offensive line. So we'll move on to the 28th pick where the Packers selecting Um, Jenkins. Yeah, obviously I had Jenkins going earlier. Um, here I have a guy, I have um, the first of two kickers going that I have in the first round in Justin Tucker. Now I think, as I said, as I said yeah. when you had him being the pick, in terms of how his career has played out, obviously he's higher on this board, but he's a kicker, and, and nothing against kickers, but you just don't take kickers in the first round. I don't care if they're it's the greatest kicker or arguably one of the greatest kickers of all time. You you don't pick them top thirty maybe. Um, he's one of the few exceptions. Um, I think you could make um ever. Um, and that's why Tucker is the pick here. Yeah. Um, as we move on to the twenty ninth pick, I I have the Vikings selecting the second kicker. Um, in Greg Zerline. So now I, I'm just going to point it out. We've seen. And the reason I have two kickers going in the first round is solely because we look at these two teams and we look at they both had wild card playoff games where they just needed not to they needed manageable kicks to move on to the next round. And in that position, you obviously need a, a good kicker. Um, and they didn't have those. And the Vikings actually got their kicker in uh, Blair Walsh in the this draft. Now he showed promise early and then he fell apart because he either lost confidence or he just was not good um he missed that easy easy kick against the seahawks in 2015 and obviously cody parkey had the double doink so i think that's my two reasonings for having kickers go yeah in the first uh, round my pick 29 to the vikings is don terry poe a guy you had going 18 um yeah yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I think, once again, I think when you look at the fact that maybe the Vikings are benefiting um, a lot from getting a better kicker in a situation, then maybe this ends up working out well. Then, like, a Don Terry Poe, just because he's, like, one defensive player. Um, but I will move on to the 30th pick, where I have the Niners selecting um, Mike Daniels. Yeah, exact same pick here for me. Um, we will move right along here to 31 where the Bucks are on the clock, and I have them taking the second um, kicker and, and final kicker um, in the first round in Greg Zerline. Yeah, okay. No, so the Bucks obviously are on the clock here, as you just stated. I was thinking long and hard about this one just because I was not 100% sure if this guy was first-round worthy, but I, I just decided to stick with it and have the Bucks select um, Zach Brown. Yeah, he, he's first-round worthy, in my opinion, as I have him going 32 to the Giants to round out my my first round. Yeah, now, um, me, I, I think the Giants get what not necessarily is um, – necessarily making them a better defense from 2013 to the present. Um, but I think, or 2012, I guess, but um, a player who could be a key piece on what maybe could potentially be a good defense. Um, Cause maybe if you're drafting one defensive player, then you can cont- continue to build on the defense um, where I think the Giants select um, merciless. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I think he was, was a cut for me. Um, but that wraps up this 2012 um, redraft. Uh, we will go into um, what-if scenarios here. 
Yeah, I don't know if I ever thought about or thought this out, but the Giants would not select one defensive player. Oh, besides Eli Apple in the first round from 2012 to 2020, which is well, because I, I think the reasoning behind that would be their defense was always good. Um, but it wasn't because it wasn't. Well, no, it, it wasn't. It was never good except for 2016. It was never good. And then 2012, but it wasn't once the key defensive pieces, which was pretty quickly from the Super Bowl, the second Super Bowl um, run with Eli was were gone, and that was probably around 2013, 2014, and and once and besides 2016, this defense was horrific. I don't, it wasn't. Well, good. I think, I I think, yeah, like you said, once the pieces were gone, but as as far as you look at what year, so you what, like you just said the the pieces that were gone, what once they were gone by by twenty fourteen, say then you only have one year in twenty fifteen before it's good again in two thousand sixteen, and then you take you take Apple, and then you only don't take a defensive player in the first round in in three straight drafts because quite frankly, well defense was was definitely a big problem. I'm not denying that but you definitely had other big holes that you needed to fill but we took a tight end in the first round it's not like we were like i understand um 18 and and 19 and 20 as well but like for example why are we wasting evan i'm not saying evan ingram is a waste of a pick but why are we selecting evan ingram a tight end which is not necessarily a first round um level pick in terms of tight ends don't necessarily usually go in the first round when you could be adding someone on the defense. I, I think that is really one of the big reasons the Giants were just such a disaster after the Super Bowl run. Um, I, I think maybe selecting some defensive players would um, help. Yeah, I guess potentially. Um, yeah, w- that, that wraps up um, that we can move on to what-if scenarios. Okay, now... Um, I don't think there were many, many standout what-if scenarios. Uh, obviously, I think the key change of this draft is that uh, the Seahawks probably never go on to win and make back-to-back Super Bowls without Russell. Um, you could argue that the defense was so good, especially now after adding Chandler, Chandler Jones, that, that maybe they still make it. But I personally don't think so. Uh, just to confirm, no, you don't, I, I don't think you don't I think, think so either. Defense can be as good as you want, but I think Ross was was such a big part of, of that of those of those runs. Right, obviously, and then I think um, I I don't know if any others stand out. I guess uh, I we saw the Redskins have that uh, at least somewhat successful year in 2012 making the playoffs led by rg3 um one does that still end up happening and um two does uh does luck end up making the redskins at least a solid team in the horrific nfc east for the rest of um i think he does i think i think luck is is an improvement over rg3 um I, i think um I think his his injuries um, are definitely the main concern, and I think that's the only argument you could make that that Locke doesn't make them a solid team. 
But I, I, I think that that Locke's years where he wasn't injured are good enough to propel the to propel the Redskins to at least be decent. And like you mentioned, and what was a horrific and basically this entire decade. Uh, yeah, I'd just like to throw it out, though. I mean, we saw Locke, uh, or we saw RG3 um, kind of flame out by injuries, but and a lot of, not the blame, but a lot of the times um, you think maybe it's because of the Redskins organization. So I think that might have been key, or, or even the coaching staff. Like, um, a lot of people seemed, seemed to be not convinced fully, but in some sense that, um, especially earlier parts of RG3's or, or in RG3's Redskins tenure, um, Mike uh, Shanahan kind of ruined him. Is that it? Does that happen to um, if he ever gets injured? I mean, I guess potentially. Um, I'm I'm not entirely sure. I think every scenario is different. Um, I think, I think it's it's tough to tell because I think is it going to be great? Probably not, but. I don't think it would be the type of fallout that we saw with RG3. Right. Um, and then the last question, nothing necessarily has to do with um, our first round, but it has to do with what does not end up happening um, in with this redraft. Does RG3 come in to the league with lower expectations and then – like somehow he gets a chance to play and um, kind of breaks out. I don't know. I think there's a lot of variables that go into that. Um, I think if we were to do a first and second round, which I'm, which obviously we wouldn't do because that would be near impossible. But I think, I, I think it depends on where he goes. I mean, it, where do you think he goes? Do you think he goes mid second round, early second round? Where do you think he ends up going? Um. I can't promise anything, but I feel like when you look at this year's quarterback class, so so for me, I did not have um, – I only had the three quarterbacks in Foles, Luck, and – oh, and Cousins, Luck, Russell, Cousins, and Foles going in the first round. There's still quarterbacks on the board that um, you could argue that ha- would go over RG3 in, um, obviously, Tannehill for me, and then – um, maybe Case, uh, most likely Case Keenum. Um, and then maybe if you were going to go out on a limb, even Brock Osweiler. Right. I personally do not agree with that statement, but, but maybe. Uh, so I think RG3 probably goes either late second round, maybe third round. Uh, so, so I think that obviously starts him off with lower expectations. There's a better chance he ends up coming in as a backup quarterback and maybe somebody gets hurt and, um, he gets a chance and really steps up and maybe he doesn't have the expectations because he doesn't do something insane like lead them to the playoffs in the first year and and I think the, that playoff game was obviously where RG3 career was really ruined because he got the at least minor injury but I, I think that's a very interesting yeah. scenario yeah this um, uh, this will wrap, wrap up, up um, things here for this episode um, please go check out uh Dylan's episode on um, the DW podcast that we are about to go record in just a few minutes. Um, Again, that will do it um, for this. Please continue to tune in to these redrafts, and I will talk to you guys next time.